Today in this episode, we're going to talk about all things mental health and my own personal journey and story with it. So stay tuned, get ready, and enjoy the show. I'm Kimberly Elaine, and you're listening to The Kimberly Elaine Show, a podcast where I truly believe everyone has a story to tell. I want you to live a life where you know your story matters and to live your most beautiful life. I interview people who I am inspired by and can tell their story with the world. I also share with you my own personal journeys because I believe that healing and truth comes if we share from within. I am so glad that you are here, so please get comfortable and get ready to enjoy the show. This is a trigger warning for anybody who's listening that the following podcast will contain topics such as abuse, sexual assault, mental health, and other sorts of triggering things. So I just wanted to let you know firsthand if it's making you uncomfortable, please don't listen to this podcast. And um, if you do, I appreciate you listening and please stay safe. Thank you. Have a wonderful day and enjoy the podcast. I think I am ready to speak about it. I feel ready. I feel hopeful. I said to my therapist as I grabbed a tissue from her Kleenex box with the word hope on it. I remember seeing this box the very first time I walked into her office. I thought to myself, hope is just one of those last things that I'll feel. I can now say that when I looked at the same Kleenex box months later, hope was on the forefront of my mind. It is a pretty beautiful thing how things can change when you put in the work. For as long as I remember, my life has been consisting of a concoction of not-so-healthy ingredients such as trauma, survival, and health issues to name a few. I grew up with a single mother. My father and I didn't become close until later on in life. I saw my mother being violently abused by her boyfriend when I was young. We moved around a lot, and I felt that I didn't have a solid foundation to call home. I don't blame my mother at all. It was for our safety, and she did the right thing. I was bullied in school. I have dealt with suicidal ideation since I was 10. I was also first assaulted at the age of 14 by a man who was 19, who groomed me for months. I dated men who would use me for my body, and if I showed any disinterest, They would make me feel like my opinion didn't matter. My voice was never heard. My wants and needs were continuously invalidated. I started dating abusive men when I was young because I thought that is what love was. I got married young at 21 to a man who used my faith against me and was abusive because God wanted a submissive woman and I needed to listen to him. He said he would rather me kill myself than divorce him because it was against God to divorce. I ended up getting divorced and dating a man who I fell head over heels for, who turned out to be a quote-unquote, according to him, a diagnosed narcissist and proud of it. I was apparently the seventh woman he cheated on his ex with. I had no clue and was left broken. I can tell you that I changed after this. I never really was the same. My cling to having someone love me and my threshold to deal with it became so high I tolerated anything. I didn't recognize myself in the mirror anymore. I ended up getting into the dance community, finding a new passion, 
traveling and staying with people because that is what you do when you want to go to out-of-state jams, aka dance competitions. I would show up to the apartment of the person that I'm supposed to be staying with, being told that I would be safe, and staying with them out of state in an unknown territory. They would make advances and I would say no, or I wouldn't say no, because I learned that my voice didn't matter. No one would believe me anyway. I didn't enthusiastically say yes. I was complacent. Some would say that I was not assaulted, and some would say that I didn't show I didn't want to if you don't count the fact that I was just laying there and would tear up afterwards. My therapist said that if it is not an enthusiastic yes, and you 100% know that you want to do it, then it is considered assault. Everyone has their own opinion, but it still haunts me. I'm at fault for placing myself in this position, still naive thinking the best of people, going through this more than once and feeling like I deserved it. It was a form of self-harm, and I see that and know that now. I then ended up dating a man who was physically, mentally, and sexually abusive and used his power in the dance community against me if I ever spoke out. He said no one would believe me, so I stayed silent. There were some people around me at that time that knew what was going on, and I am grateful for their support and strength to get through it. I dated and got engaged to someone who was cheating behind my back pretty much the whole two years we were together. He stalked me at my job and would use his finances to control me. I dated a man who told me that I wasn't as pretty as I was in the pictures, and he couldn't wait till I was sexy and skinny again after I had moved across the country for him. I dated men who would love bomb me and then disappear out of nowhere. Boundaries for me were non-existent. I was living for everyone else and not for my own happiness and protection. Few and far between were the good men, the kind men, the wonderful men. And I have to be honest, they didn't provide the chaos the others did. Chaos was normal. Peace was not. And I'm going to repeat that. Chaos was normal and peace was not. I actually thought this was normal. I thought this is how life and relationships were supposed to be. I would see all these great relationships around me and think, this seems boring. This seems fake. This seems unattainable. I'll never be able to have this. And I was wrong. Oh, so wrong. The kind of men I dated were patient and I would push and pull and push and pull in this cycle that was vicious because I wanted to test their love. If they stayed, they loved me. If they stay, they won't abandon me. I was so ashamed of myself for all of the wonderful men that I have pushed away because I wasn't healed. I wasn't viewing the world in the way that I should be. I didn't recognize this until earlier this year. It took me 36 years to figure this out, and that's 36 years too long. My whole entire life, I have tried frantic efforts to avoid abandonment. I was impulsive. I had unstable relationships and friendships. I self-harmed in ways. My depression was up and down. I was clinging to the people I dated. But even if they did one thing wrong to me, I would push them away. But if they left, I ran frantically back to them because they abandoned me only to feel scared and apprehensive and ready for abuse to happen, ready for abandonment. I always thought that it was better to be left, or I felt that it was better to leave than to be left. Abandon than to be abandoned. If any man I ever dated, or friendship for that matter, with anybody who was kind to me, that purely loved me, is listening. If any of you are out there, I want you to know this. 
I was not the woman I should have been to you. I'm so sorry. No amount of words is possible to take back any pain that I might have caused. Hurt people will hurt people, and there is no excuse, but I wish I could take it back. And I'm so sorry. I'm really, really sorry. I knew something was going on with me. For a while now, my health issues have caused transient amnesia and memory loss with mood swings. Can a girl catch a break? (laughs) I started getting explanations for things why were happening to me, but I knew that something else was going on. And I really wanted to get that checked out. I started seeing a therapist at the beginning of the year and I told her what was happening. I told her, I don't remember saying things. I don't remember doing things. I can't recall things are happening. I don't feel like myself anymore. And these are sentences I find myself saying more often than not. I feel like a shell of a woman that once was watching my life go by me like sand flowing through my fingers. I told her she listened to me and we would get to know each other more and more each session. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. Kimberly, I believe you have complex PTSD and borderline personality disorder. My heart sank. Did I hear that right? There's so much stigma with this. I didn't know how to feel. And then she gently explained it to me. She told me that I had never had a solid male figure in my life, and I have searched my entire life for that, recreating relationships over and over with the same type of people hoping for different results. My trauma, my frantic fear of abandonment, and anything I do to stop it. Splitting on people if they hurt me or if I felt triggered. Suicidal ideation, feeling like I don't have an identity, and changing myself for everyone I meet. Self-harming, chronic feelings of emptiness, isolate when I'm hurting, but wanting people around. Night terrors, obsessive thoughts about the past, lack of boundaries, memory loss, and mood swings, disassociation, depersonalization, the works. But it all made sense. It all made sense. The first time I felt hope and peace in a long time. Ironically, I felt heard. I felt understood and I felt seen. I felt supported and I didn't feel judged. I wanted to let out the tears and screams I have been holding in for years and rage on the world for being so cruel. And I didn't want to be this way. I have tried everything in my power that I thought was right to change. And I knew I had a a lot of hard work ahead of me. Dealing with health issues that cause so many changes in me already that make me feel uncomfortable with being in my body that make me want to desensitize and and disassociate from my body because the pain gets so much. But now knowing that I have a personality disorder on top of it, I still struggle to say that with any uneasiness and shame, but I want to share my story because I know that there are people out there that might be going through the same things that I go through. And I'm learning to love myself where I'm at. I felt so alone and I never want anyone to feel this way. And you are not defined by what you go through. You have so much more to offer than that. So much more to offer the world. I know that if I'm facing things like this every day, there's got to be somebody out there with a story like mine. A story that deserves to be heard. Because everyone has a story. Your story may have trauma, mental health issues, and pain, but don't let it define you. Your story is so much bigger than that. 
Don't be afraid to look at yourself and see what needs to change, what dark parts of yourself you want to heal and face. And it is scary as hell, but it is worth it. It is so worth it. And I want you to feel hopeful. I hope that you feel hopeful. And I hope that is on the forefront of your mind. Some takeaways that I have learned about borderline personality disorder, and I want to speak of myself and, and no one else, is that I notice that we love hard and we want to be loved. We try, we have to fight the fight and live the life that we want, but our trauma seems to hold us back. And I read an article actually from self.com, and I want to touch on some key important things that I think that may help people that are listening that want to kind of understand it more. Borderline personality disorder is often stigmatized, even among healthcare workers. One of the most pervasive misconceptions among professionals and non-professionals alike is that people with BPD are intentionally and maliciously, I can't speak, that word is very difficult, <laughs> maliciously trying to manipulate those around them with their displays of extreme emotion, you know, self-harm, mood swings. These symptoms are stemming from mental illness and not a person deciding on their own accord that they want to hurt anyone or cause any harm. Two, People with BPD can be empathetic and loving individuals. Extreme emotional sensitivity presents with serious challenges, but there are also benefits to this. In her experience, the doctor in the article is saying that pe people with BPD are often able to understand the feelings of other people to a greater degree. She also believes that people with BPD are unusually creative because they have a deeper and broader experience of human emotion from, what, from which to draw from. This is part of the reason that people with borderline personality disorder, in her eyes, um, are one of her favorite people to treat. She says they're really fun and creative and compassionate and beautiful people. Three, borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder are not the same thing. They do share some significant similarities, namely that bipolar disorder also causes extreme shifts in mood and behavior. However, these shifts are primarily between dis depressive and manic episodes, having an abnormally elevated and energetic mood or hypomaniac episodes, which also involve unusually high energy and active levels, but to a lesser extent, and also the fear of abandonment and unstable personal relationships that typically are inherent with people with BPD aren't necessarily in the diagnostic criteria for bipolar disorder, according to the article. So that's just a couple key points I found from the self.com article. Now you might be asking yourself, what are some symptoms of borderline personality disorder? So just to clear some things up. So BPD has kind of a subtype and it's known as a quiet BPD. And that is what I was diagnosed with. And so let me tell you what that is. Um, and I'm reading from healthline.com and they're kind of explaining it from here. So it says to be diagnosed, a person must have an ongoing pattern of unstable interpersonal relationship, unstable self-image and emotions and impulsive behavior that probably occurs in either adulthood or a range of contexts. People with borderline personality disorder as the quiet type are also thought to be acting in rather than acting out. This label has also been used to describe people with BPD who avoid communicating their emotions and getting close to other people. Some emotions associated with this are 
It can vary. It can be anger or rage, anxiety, irritability, emptiness, cycles of idolizing certain people and relationships and then rejecting or abandoning them, fear of abandonment or rejection, mood swings and feeling disconnected or paranoid. Quiet BPD is also sometimes called high-functioning BPD, and this reflects the idea that some people with BPD may not show their symptoms and are still able to cope in everyday situations, such as work or school. So further on in the article, it talks about key symptoms of quiet BPD. What I labeled earlier, that can be kind of a broad range of what BPD is. So this is what they say is specific types and symptoms of quiet BPD. I'm going to list them now. Intense mood swings that you manage to hide from others, suppressing feelings of anger or denying that you feel angry, withdrawing when you're upset, avoiding talking to others who have upset you and cutting them off instead, blaming yourself whenever there's a conflict. Oof, that's me. Persistent feelings of guilt and shame, having a thin skin and taking things personally, feeling like you're a burden to others, people pleasing even at a cost to you, social anxiety and self-isolation, and fear of being alone yet pushing people away at the same time. That one is so me. I feel personally attacked. Okay, but further down, it talks about a little bit more and it can vary from person to person. So let me just go a little bit further into detail here just in case you may be listening or you know somebody that may have this or maybe you're going through this yourself. So it says, intense mood swings that can last for as little as a few hours or up to a few days. Thinking in extreme, such as seeing things only as completely good or completely bad. A pattern of quickly changing your interests and values. Fears of abandonment. Starting and ending relationships quickly and impulsively. A pattern of unstable, intense relationships with family or others you're close to. Emotional distress, feelings of emptiness, problems with anger, disassociation, or feeling disconnected from your body or real life, unstable self-image, dangerous or self-destructive behaviors, and self-harm. Now, you're probably wondering, what are the causes of this? Trust me, I had the same question. And according to the article, Now, I want to say about the article is that I'm basing what I'm saying on there is because I want to take things that are tangible that you can maybe even look up yourself. So this was, you know, BPD symptoms on this is healthline.com. So it says that quiet BPD are the same as the causes of BPD in general. It says like certain other mental health conditions, an increased risk of BPD is thought to be passed down in families. They can, there can be genetic links, uh, genetic Genetics are probably aren't the only cause. It shows that maybe physical abuse, child neglect, an increase in individual's risk, and an exposure to a personal history of unstable relationships. Also, physical changes to the brain and alterations in the neurotransmitter serotonin may be associated with it. Some of the risk factors for people that might get diagnosed with quiet PPD is a family history of it, previous traumatic experiences, experience of childhood neglect or maltreatment. And they also can happen alongside depression, anxiety, eating disorder, and substance abuse disorders. But let me do state that having another mental health condition does not necessarily lead to BPD. That's what they want you to know. That's something that's very important. And from personal experience, one of the treatments that is available is called dialectical 
hope I'm saying this right, Dialectical Behavior Therapy, DP, DBT. DBT is another type of therapy that is considered for BPD. It helps teach mindfulness, staying in the moment, regulating your emotions, coping with distress, and managing interpersonal relationships. And let me tell you firsthand, as somebody that is getting help and for this, that has been a game changer. And also one other resource that I have to point out um, is, and I'm not sponsored by this in any way, but has helped me so much. It's called the Borderline Personality Disorder Workbook, an integrative program to help understand and manage your BPD. And by a genius, Dr. Daniel J. Fox. Amazing. This book is wonderful. And I can't say enough about it. And you can find it. It's I think it's only like 200 and some pages. You can find it on Amazon, which it'll run for $13.99 in Kindle, $16.49 on Amazon. You can also find it at pdfdrive.com and search for it. It's free. <laughs> I don't know if that's a legit website, so do it at your own risk. But I just wanted to come to you today and be open and honest because I, you know, if you're seeing me struggling or if you see me going through something or if I we chat, you know, and I forget that things that I've said or I've acted on, it's it's a work in progress, not only because I'm dealing with health issues. I currently had got diagnosed with a jugular vein compression. So my left jugular vein is not working. My pituitary gland is not working very well. And I'm dealing with that, which causes transient amnesia, mood swings, and memory loss on top of having this new diagnosis. So be gentle to the people in your life that are going through this. Trust me when I say that I am working my hardest at being better. I'm taking the time. I have secluded myself and basically isolated myself and made this my life's mission to get better. And you can't change something that you weren't aware of. You kind of live your life. I mean, I've had people tell me for a while now, like, you, need, you know, you should get therapy and get help and stuff like that. But I was like, you know what? nah, I'm just going to ride this out and survive it. But little did I know I was wrong. And I can accept that and admit that firsthand. You know, on another thing, I know I talked a lot about trauma and, and mental health in this podcast. But I want to let you know that you may be going through things and you may have a story that is like mine, may not be like mine, but I want to let you know that no matter what your story is, it deserves to be finished. It deserves to be heard. So please hang on. Please. You are amazing. You deserve to be here. And I am so proud of you. And I appreciate you taking the time to listen today. It's very vulnerable of me to talk about this. I was debating about if I should or should not. But... I've been seeing a lot of people speak out and, and talk about mental health. And I want you to know that you're not alone. And I'm sending you so much love. You can also reach out to me. You can um, email me at, uh, I have to find the link. I have to let you find an email address and I'll post it in the show notes. But you can always reach out to me if you have any questions or if you want somebody to talk to. But remember that you matter above all else. You are loved, you are vital, you're important, and you're valuable. So please take care of yourself today. And thank you so much for enjoying the show with me. Have a wonderful day. 
Thank you for joining me in this week's episode of The Kimberly Elaine Show. For more information found in this episode, please refer to the show notes. You can get your fix every week by subscribing to the podcast. As always, if you have any questions or would like to be featured on the show, send me an email at thekimberlylanshow at gmail.com. That is thekimberlylanshow at gmail.com. Until next time, have an amazing day and don't forget above all else, you matter to this world and your story deserves to be heard.